The following is Voices of Experience radio show and podcast. No promotional fees are paid by authors or other guests who appear on the show. If you have comments or suggestions, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. On with the show. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, and I'd like to welcome again Eric Crema to the show, who's the host of Spotlight on Success. You have another great interview today, Eric. I do, Paul, and thanks for the introduction. Uh, yes, I'm going to be speaking with Jared Longager, and he is with Fizz Events. This is a company that does uh, some pretty marquee events around the Puget Sound, ones that you'll recognize. So I'm, I'm interested to talk to him about those specific events and what the, you know, between COVID and police, uh, needing more police on the force, what has that done to local events here, cancellations, movement, and that sort of thing. So it'll be sort of an interesting uh, topic topic and find out what's coming up in the next 12 months here as far as events in the city and and beyond. That sounds really good. And it sounds very hopeful. That's what I like to hear coming out of this, uh, that we'll get back to some normalcy. And that's really good to hear. Absolutely. How about you? Who are you visiting with? Well, I have two guests today. One is Sherry Trusheim, and she is the owner of Urban Animal Veterinary Care. And there are three veterinary clinics in Seattle. One is on Capitol Hill. One is in the uh, downtown Seattle area, and then one is in White Center. There are two things that I think stand out uh, from Sherry's clinic. First of all, she strives to make it affordable. And uh, we have a conversation on that and how pet care is becoming extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody who's taken a pet to their vet lately has seen that. And we talk about some of those issues and why we are at that point. And, you know, another thing that she strives to do and does very well is she doesn't require appointments. You just show up with your pet. You know, you may have to wait a little bit, but again, we know how hard that's been in trying to make an appointment for your pet. If you have a pet, which I do, sometimes you have some issues with the pet and you can't get in to see a vet for four or five weeks. So if you're a listener out there nodding your head about that going, hallelujah, I feel the pain there. You'll want to hear Sherry a little bit later. And then I have an interview with Shirley Tom, and she's the marketing coordinator for the Moisture Festival. I've said a number of times, this is the best event that you probably never heard of. And um, this is the first time the Moisture Festival has been live for the past two years. It's just been doing Zoom only. And now they're very excited to open up again. And they started last week, and they've had some real good success going forward. It runs through April 10th. And I am going to give four tickets away to Kixie listeners or KKNW listeners. And uh, I will say to you later how you do that and how you can get some free tickets for this. And the thing I'd like to have anybody who goes to this, that they would um, comment after it and tell us what they thought of the Moisture Festival. So two free tickets coming. The first one to call the Voices of Experience hotline, you will get those, but I'll give it out later. Oh, that sounds right, great. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, Eric, have you ever been to the Moisture Festival? I have not, but I'm experiencing it these days with the rain that we've had in the spring. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you don't need it, right? You just walk <laughs> outside. That's, that's your own festival. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm going to get you a couple free tickets so you, you can go see it. And um, then you can comment, it because, comment on it because I've been talking about it all the time because I just really enjoy it. 
Let's see what else. We have the one hit wonder. Uh, just a little bit of a hint. Seattle Mariners are in spring training now. And uh, I really hope they're hustling really well through the training. So they'll give us a playoff team again this year. That's the hint for today for the one hit wonder. You'll hear that on Kixie. If you're listening to KKNW at the end of the show, you'll hear um, about entrepreneurs. And it, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit different today, Eric, and talk about um, uh, myths rather than employment, self-employment questions. And today I'm going to talk about entrepreneurs. Are they huge risk takers? So I think we're about ready to launch it. Sherry Trusham, the owner of Urban Animal Pet Clinics, coming up next. When a flock of geese knocked out two engines on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 right after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, who would you want in the cockpit? Captain Sully or a pilot on their maiden flight? If Captain Sully was your choice, then experience is important to you. And that's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. A variety of topics are explored, including local and national public affairs, self-employment, travel, lifestyles, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Now Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Sherry Trusheim has joined me, and she is a doctor of veterinary medicine and owner of Urban Animal Veterinary Clinic, with locations, there are actually three Seattle locations, downtown, Capitol Hill, and White Center. Now that word independent, I just mentioned earlier in the introduction, that's going to become important in this interview. Now what makes Urban Animal unique is that it's a drop-by clinic, no appointment is necessary, very unusual in these times, and affordable. So before I get into the interview, I just want to let you know this is not an advertisement for a clinic. I'm not being paid a promotional fee for this. I just go after stories that I think are interesting. And I know a lot of people out there listening to this show are pet owners. And that's what the spirit I do this interview with. So let's just get right to it. My interview with Sherry Trusheim. I just wanted to start out with uh, some statistics that I just dug out from the old Google. And that is about Mm -hmm. the number of dogs and cats there are in the country and a number of households that have dogs and cats living there. And it's pretty stunning, mm-hmm. I thought, that uh, in terms of total number of dogs that are owned by uh, pet owners, in the number of 76 million and cats, 58 million, that is a lot of pets. I had no idea it was that high. Does that sound accurate to you? It, it sure does. And I mean, I'll tell you, in a city you know, like where I live, Seattle, there's more dogs than human children and there's more cats than dogs so it's just it's it's sort of bananas (laughs) yeah i think that bond you're talking about between the human and the animal even got even more deeper during covid yep agreed agreed and the more we as a society sort of you know shift to our friends are all in our phone and you know the four-legged friend is the one that's sitting as my dog sits next to me on the couch right now while I'm talking to you, you know, that's, 
that's the friend that's in our space that we're sharing space with every day. And I think the more we become disconnected a little bit as humans, that bond becomes even stronger. And I think there's pros and cons to that, honestly. I go to the West Seattle veterinarian and you look at uh, the outside before you enter and you know the difficulty the veterinarians have been going through because of COVID and when they had to put signs like up, do not shout and scream and, and yell and yeah. whatever. How have you weathered that? Well, same way, honestly. We had to just have some real frank discussions with our clients that sort of, you know, sort of said that, like, you know, you must remain respectful. We are doing the best we can under very strange circumstances. The reality was veterinarians just really have struggled to keep up with the demand. You know, there's only, say, 30, I think 38 now, maybe 39 veterinary schools in the country. They graduate about 100 uh, new veterinarians a year. And this, you know, as we just talked about, this pet ownership, it's just growing and growing. And and then COVID hit and it slowed down and took away all efficiencies that we could have had to practice veterinary medicine. And it just created a real, like, clog in the system and people were frustrated and I, you know, we tried to be understanding yet at the same time, the emotional toll it was taking on our employees, not only were they essential workers through the entire global pandemic, which that in itself is stressful, but now you've got all of these emotions just kind of getting dumped on you day after day. So we just had to, you know, we had signs in all the rooms. It's like, this is, this is what we're asking of you. Remain respectful, remain calm, do not use abusive language. And, you know, on one hand, it feels kind of crazy that we even have to say that, but we did. And, and it did help. And we tried to message to our clients, like, this is the reality of the situation. This is the workload we're under. And, you know, a lot of people were so gracious and kind. And, you know, it's just always that 5 to 10% of folks that sort of ruin it for everybody. What pet owners, what do they overlook when they're caring for a pet? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think for, like, to speak frankly, for dogs right now, it's actually training. <laughs> and what is your relationship with your dog? My opinion is that, Dogs, they need some, they need guidance, they need leadership, they need some boundaries and limitations. Like a dog knows it should not be in charge of the household, right? So, you know, we'll have people all the time, they'll come in with their, their new dog, and they literally, they can't get it out from under the chair, they can't, they can't do anything with it, they can't, they can't manage it, if you will. And I think, one of the things that has maybe gotten a little lost and been more challenging during COVID was a way to train your dog, some obedience training. So you actually have some degree of control. Cats are great because they're kind of easy, right? I mean, especially if they're going to be indoor only, you need to keep them um, fulfilled, if you will. They need to be able to at least look out and maybe see some birds and have some, some stimuli and some entertainment. Dogs sometimes just need a lot more exercise than people realize. You can't take a herding breed dog and put it in a studio apartment and walk it twice a day and think that anyone's going to be happy in that situation. I can say yeah. as a dog owner, yes, it is a lot of work and, and it can be very mm -hmm. expensive. So you really have to be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. That expense part. Yeah. I didn't mention that, but just knowing what basic veterinary care costs. Well, spring and summer is just around the corner. Is there anything yeah. in particular that a pet owner should do with the change of the season coming. And I want to jump into something a little bit more direct to that. 
my belief is global mm-hmm. warming is coming and it has been coming yeah. for a while. I mean, look at Seattle's weather. It's wetter than it used to be. It, be, it used to be gray, and it still is. It can be in the winter, but mm-hmm. we're getting a lot more storms. In the summer, yeah. it's getting warmer. I mean, I'm sitting out at my deck at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night with uh, not a sweatshirt on where I could do that before. And uh, look at last summer. We got up to, what, 114 degrees. Is there anything that you should look at with pet care with this in mind? I mean, I think... Some, some animals are more heat tolerant than others. In other words, a cat is pretty heat tolerant creature and it will just lay in a quiet, hot space and, and quite frankly, kind of maybe be in heaven, right? A cat uh, appreciates warm. Now, obviously they need fresh water. They need ventilation. You can't just put a cat in a, a piping hot apartment, but some, you know, these brachiocephalic breeds, meaning the sort of smushy faced breeds, French bulldogs, English bulldogs. Um, and now there's all kinds of just, you know, concoctions being made of, of mixing different breeds together. But anytime they've kind of got that short muzzle, they are in, in really well-muscled dogs. They're actually not heat tolerant at all. So you want to make sure those dogs are staying cool. And even in a place like you're saying, like Seattle, that can become increasingly challenging. And so keeping those dogs in a space where there's a fan, there's a cool area and not letting them get themselves into excessive panting because that can actually obstruct their airway. So those dogs that you hear that just (laughs) make a lot of noise when they breathe, if they pant too much, they can actually obscure their airway. I'll I'll put a plug in for flea control because the springtime is when we just start to see the fleas start jumping. Right. And, and although fleas don't, they can carry some, some, illnesses it's it's more of just you don't want a flea infestation in your home it's frustrating for you it's very frustrating for your pet so just getting on a good flea control heading into spring would be high on my list of recommendations and how about maybe some vaccinations or medicine that maybe a dog or cat should get now whereas maybe you're talking about fleas or something along those lines that they do get earlier now in recognition that it's getting warmer from a vaccine standpoint, a big one I think about is uh, leptospirosis. So it is a um, it is spread by raccoons and rats, which anyone who lives in you know a city like Seattle knows we have unfortunately lots of rats. It's very contagious. It just has to get in any mucous membrane of a dog, so an eye, the mouth, um, and it's usually in standing water that they come in contact with it. And so that's a vaccine that actually to remain efficacious and for it to do its job and to work and protect dogs, they need to get it every year. And that's a, that's sometimes a hard one for people to stay on top of. Excellent advice. Good. You just uh, have me thinking now, does our little dog have have that? So I'm going to go find that out after this interview. Sherry, tell us about Urban Animal. Yeah, Urban Animal was started by myself and a good technician friend of mine about almost, it'll be 10 years ago this coming October. And, you know, we initially started out with very much our main goal was to make pet care, veterinary care affordable. And, you know, over the last nine years, I've realized that is incredibly challenging to do. Uh, We do a walk-in business, meaning you don't make an appointment, you just come in. We try to keep the wait, wait times low. That's been hard during COVID. But with the idea being that 
you know, you give each case the time that it needs. But the reality is sometimes an appointment really only needs 10 minutes with a doctor. It's a perfectly healthy cat that just needs its vaccines updated. Or it needs a long time because someone just adopted an older dog with a long list of health problems that they need to be educated on. So rather than just plug everything into an appointment slot, we and then what that leads to is the conversation around average transactions, right? Like how much does an average transaction need to be to, to make ends meet? And we just take that out of the equation and we just give everything the time that it needs. And that allows us to keep our price point as low as possible. And uh, we remain privately owned and independent. And that is, that's our goal moving forward, but that's becoming increasingly challenging and let's, yeah, let's talk about that right in, in terms of um the corporations we're down here in um uh, california right now but more and more we're finding veterinary care that is owned by corporations is that a good trend yeah, they've got shareholders they need to keep satisfied and my opinion it may not be universal by any means but what i think has happened is people who are in the business of making money have recognized that the, the growth, that's what we just talked about in the start of this call, that this industry is growing like gangbusters and there is a high demand. And the way I see it from my vantage point is most folks that go into the practice of veterinary medicine do not do so with the intent of making a lot of money. In other words, you do this for the love of animals. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have livable wages. We should. But but it's no one goes into it thinking about the profit. And at Urban Animal, we make decisions every day that are people and pets over profit, right? Like that's just the way it sometimes needs to be. And I think with corporate shareholders driving the bus, you know, and and sort of determining it's driving up the cost, the costs of veterinary care are skyrocketing. And, you know, you can make a case that in some ways it's good. It's got deep pockets so we can get all the best equipment and we can, you know, provide the, the highest standard of care. And that's great. But I think there does need to be some conversation around, is this best for our industry? And I I don't necessarily see that it is, and we're fighting like crazy to try to remain independent and even form a veterinary cooperative, perhaps, or something where our our professionals can sort of gain control over how we practice. So uh, thank you to Sherry Trusheim for spending her time with us today. And again, she is the owner of three pet clinics in the Seattle area, downtown, Capitol Hill, White Center, and the name of the clinic is called Urban Animal. If you would like to find out more about Urban Animal, all you need to do is Google urbananimal.com. There are two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Base is loaded. The Seattle Mariners trail the L.A. Dodgers by three runs in Game 7 of the World Series. Who would you rather see step up to the plate? Mitch Hanniger or a promising but yet untested player just called up from the minors? If Mitch Hanniger is your choice, that means experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and 
adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. And welcome to this edition of Spotlight on Success here uh, during the program. Voices of Experience, I'm Kixie and KKNW. So glad you've joined us. For the next 12 minutes or so, I get the pleasure of speaking with uh, Jared Longinger, who is the owner of Fizz Events. We're going to talk about what events are going on uh, this year in the city. Uh, it's a longstanding company that has been uh, involved in spearheading uh, some of the great events throughout the region, and you're going to recognize some of these names. So I'm really excited to have Jared with us. Jared, how are you, how are you doing? I'm good, actually. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to have you as well. Hey, uh, I've got to know, Fizz Events, where did the Fizz come from? It's a good question. A funny story, actually. So when I was uh, coming out of college, I actually started out at Seafair, helping to produce the sports events there at Seafair. And okay. I had a boss who he doesn't like to call anybody by their name. So he was like, Jared, that's not going to work. Give me some of your nicknames. And one of them from college was <laughs> Fizzle. So it started as Fizzle and he then decided that was too long. So he shortened it to Fizz and now the president at Seafair used to call me Fizz. The new one does. And everybody I work with doing the job calls me Fizz. So I said, let's just go with Fizz Event. Better than Loringer Events. So, <laughs> so Fizz Events is the company. It's got a little more pop to it. And, you know, it's something kind of fun. Well, that's cool. That, no, I love it when uh, nicknames are figured into businesses. And sometimes that stuff just happens organically. So Fizz Events, people are probably really familiar with some of your events. So let's Let's first uh, talk, though, about you You speak a little bit about being with Seafair and all that, but maybe bring us up to speed as how, how did it come to be that you now are owner of Fizz Events? Uh, what, what was it in your background that has led you to here? That's a great question. I was a marketing major at college up at Western looking for a reason to get out of Bellingham and come down to Seattle and a seasonal position at Seafair opened up 2004, 2005. And I got the job and it was in the sports department producing the first uh, Seafair Marathon, uh, helping with the triathlon and then helping with the torchlight run. And a year later, the two people left. They hired me full time and I worked there for seven more years managing the sports department, managing uh, a lot of the land side operations at the Hydros and uh, getting involved with sponsorship, doing some marketing and kind of getting to do a little of everything. So I kind of at that point, eight years later, decided I was ready to leave Seafair. There was nowhere to grow further, and I didn't know where to go. So I said, I guess I'll start my own company. Other people had. I had some other folks from Seafair do the same thing to kind of lean on their expertise and get some ideas. And I knew I wanted to stay in the event world, and that was the way to do it, was to do that and maybe come up with some of my own events. And luckily, I was hired by Seafair to help produce some of their events and get a paycheck still while figuring out what I wanted to do. So the rest is history. Wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, you know, and a lot of the entrepreneurs that we speak to, similar stories where they they just sort of ease into it, and then and then it becomes a thing for them. It becomes a business. Um, I'm sure you've had just tons of surprises, good and bad, as you've started this business and and watched it grow. For sure, yeah. There's uh, more good than bad. To be honest, uh, otherwise we might not have a business, and I might be working <laughs> a nine to five job somewhere, but. I'm happy I did it. It was definitely a risk that I wasn't sure I was ready to take, but 
in the long run, it worked out. And now I'm happy I can golf on a Wednesday if I'd like, or, you know, work till 8 PM if I've got to. Nice. Now I do need to know, are you a runner? Because yeah, a lot of your events story. are around that. So. Yeah. Yep. Funny story is that same boss who nicknamed me Fizz told me if I was going to work with him, I better start running. So I was a basketball player, soccer player. Okay. I was, I was, you know, a runner that wanted to chase the ball, but once, uh, you know, they kind of threatened me, I went and ran, uh, my first marathon without training on a dare wow. to prove to him I could do it. And at that point I said, I kind of like this. So I became a runner. So I'm 100% a runner and a cyclist now. Well, I was looking at your website, uh, website this morning and, um, on your mission statement, you say, in, in part, our goal is to provide fun social events for the general public to participate in, whether those events are fun runs, craft beer tasting festivals, or technical running races. Fizz Events is your one-stop shop to a good time. And it is a good time, isn't it? Not only just for the runners and the walkers and the bikers in the events, but there, you get a lot of other people that get involved who, who come to 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 be uh, at the festival or be at the event and experience it. For sure. And I mean, one more backstory. I'm 39 now. I started this company when I was probably right about 30, I think, maybe a little before that. And at Seafair, I you know got this job and all my buddies are asking me why I'm running so much and why do I enjoy doing it? We don't want to come to your 5K. So my thought was, how do I get my friends to come do these fun social mm. events, right? So I came up with my first race was the Fiesta 5K LA, which is a Cinco de Mayo themed race that... You do a 5K, but it ends with a big beer garden, live music on stage, 20 taco trucks. I want you to say you did all that stuff and then at the end say, oh, yeah, I ran a 5K today. <laughs> it's, the goal's fun. The goal is to just bring everybody together and do something fun that they enjoyed and maybe get a little exercise out of the deal. Would you say that Seattle and the Puget Sound region in general is a little more health conscious that way? They like doing events that are tied to something physical as well? 100%. I think uh, the just support that we get at different running races, triathlons, it's a lot bigger than what a lot of the other events in the country are. And, you know, there's there's a run every weekend. You, you can go within 15 miles of downtown Seattle and find a 5K, 10K half marathon anywhere. Um, so just the fact that there's that many and they're able to be supported to me means a lot of people are very health conscious and excited to go do something, but do it in a social way. Now, of course, these last two years must have been very problematic for your business. Uh, let's talk about the effect of COVID, what it is, what it meant to your company, and what adjustments did you make? And then maybe thirdly, as we're looking forward to hopefully coming out of this, what are some exciting things you have on the on tap? Yeah, COVID was COVID was rough for everybody. Obviously, myself included, my business included. Um, running race, the running industry slash events industry, because like you said, I produce a beer festival, I produce a triathlon, not just running races. Events were the first thing to be shut down, and probably the last thing that came back hmm. in full. Uh, so when we were shut down, we were one hundred percent shut down. I couldn't sell food, you know, that can be delivered. I can't do. I don't have a grocery store. You can still come and. I can sell you products. So once that happened, we flat out, we shut down, we refunded mm. people their money back for those races coming up. And we, we tried to maneuver and assume this wasn't going to be a long thing. It turned out it was. Um, so myself and the running industry as a whole had to morph into something else. So this is where the virtual race came from, which means 
you sign up, you run anywhere you want. You can run outside on a treadmill. You can run circles around your, your car if you want. And we'll mail you a medal. We'll mail you a shirt. We'll mail you a bib and we'll send you challenges to, mm. to do it. Cause not only did we need our business to keep going, we wanted to support that running community that lives for being able to do this. So instead it's, it's not as fun to go outside my door and go for a run every day. It's fun to do it with a goal in mind. So if that's building to 50 miles in a month, or if it's running to earn that medal from that cool race that I'd never go do because it's in Canada or it's in, in New York or something, I can do that now. So that helped. It helped me morph. Um, I'll tell you what, I went and spent more money to buy equipment so I could produce races instead of having to pay vendors. Mm. Um, because a lot of my costs are through other vendors and having to do things. And if I can do it all myself, then heck, I'm going to make a little more money or be able to do an event at a very small size and still break even. Um, one of my goals was just to break even for two years. I don't need to make money. I don't, I don't want to lose money though. So if there's a way to do some of these smaller scale or these events at smaller scales in parks while following COVID guidelines, then I'll do it because that it helps me to get outside and be out social and doing something, even if it's for a bunch of strangers that I've never met before. Um, So it's been an interesting process. Finally, COVID is hopefully lifting. We just did our first event without restrictions uh, this last weekend at St. Patrick's Day Dash. And those restrictions were lifted the day before. So, you know, we were ready and we morph and we follow the rules and do it as safely as we can while giving people as much fun as we can. I imagine that the general populace is really hungry for these types of events right now and wanting to get back involved. Yeah, I think 100%. I saw more smiling faces than I can remember uh, last Sunday at that event. And it was it was exciting to finally be able to just see those smiles. Because for two years, we've been producing events at you know, uh, a quarter of the size, fractions of the size with masks while running uh, socially distanced still. So it was cool to see that. But at the same time, we're still giving people the opportunity. Hey, if you want to wear a mask, by all means, please do. Please don't come if you're sick. Please if you need to be spaced out at the start line, space out. Let's do things still to make sure we're all safe instead of trying to go right back to where we were in 2019 because we're not there. Now, your events encompass several cities in the Pacific Northwest, but uh, mainly in Seattle. I would imagine that beyond COVID, there's it's also challenging to work with cities because they can be a little strapped, too, for personnel, like the police department, let's say. Uh, yep. how, how has that been, um, that, that situation to, to, to work with? It's interesting. I just got off a call with another client that, you know, we're doing an event in Edmonds and they're, they run their police department. They run their city streets and closures 100% different than how Seattle does mm. and a hundred percent different how is than Issaquah than, than how Oak Harbor does. So it's tough. It's actually overall, it's tough to just work with all these different jurisdictions because they all do it different. Everybody's got a different committee or it's one person that kind of runs it. And so, you know, I've got to kind of morph into making sure I follow whatever those rules are. But 100 percent right now we are seeing a police shortage issue that, you know, some people may think is good. But for people like us, we have to have police officers. We count on them to close roadways. They I can't run through a lit intersection unless we've we've got an officer there. So if they're shorter, if there's multiple events that day, we've got to kind of work with other events to figure out can we can we separate our time frame can you move to a sunday and me a saturday and it's it's not just seattle 
it's Issaquah, it's Sammamish, it's all the big cities here in the, you know, the west side of Washington right now. Well, Jer- uh, Jared, we have just one uh, minute left in the program, believe it or not. It really went fast. Um, I imagine events like this are needed on another level, too, because it just sort of brings a community together, right? Yeah, I think uh, my Fiesta 5K Olay is a perfect example. It's on, on Cap Hill at Volunteer Park. And we get a great number of runners out there. We get 2,500 runners. And I say runners with uh, air quotes because half of them aren't runners. But after that, we get 2,000 people from the general public coming out. And it's they're just there to visit with their neighbors and hang out and bring their kids out and give them something to do that's you know free and open to the public or very minimal cost so events in general are needed and i think that's why we've seen good support from the state and from local king county and seattle because they're they're needed and people are striving for things to do that aren't just going to sit in a bar or going to the park they need something to actually do and say this is my goal well thank you so much for your time uh, jared i imagine people can go to your website and learn more Yep. FizzEventsNW.com has a list of all of our events. And obviously there's a contact us button that we can get you more info for anything you need. Or hopefully I just get to see a lot of these people out at events again, mine or otherwise. Excellent. FizzEventsNorthwest.com. Jared, thank you so much for your time. Good luck in your business as we move deeper into 2022. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. And thank you folks for listening to this edition of Spotlight on Success. You just received some startling news. You're going to need brain surgery. But the doctor also says your prospects for total recovery are excellent. The doctor is very confident with his prognosis. He's performed hundreds of similar surgeries during his career. Who would you choose, this doctor or another doctor who's never performed this type of surgery? If the doctor who's performed similar surgeries is your choice, then experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. The Seattle Moisture Festival opened up last week at Hales Palladium Theater in Fremont. These shows run through April 10th. Now during the week, they start at 7.30 p.m., but on the weekends, they have an evening show 
and also matinees. So all you need to do is go to moisturefestival.org to get the calendar. Now, the Moisture Festival was started by Ron Bailey in 2004, and he is still running the show, literally. And uh, I've talked to Ron on several occasions about the show, and uh, today I thought I would just talk to one person who's been involved with the Moisture Festival, and that's Shirley Tom, who's a true voice of experience. She's promoting the festival again and just doing an incredible job. So I asked her to update us on what's it like to now do live performances after being on hiatus for a couple of years. I'll say once again, the Seattle Moisture Festival is probably the greatest show that you probably never heard of. And I'm really enthusiastic about the Moisture Festival, as you may have gathered. We had big goals to meet, and we met them all. You have seemed to have been able to do that throughout the pandemic. I was going to talk about that. And please explain. Yes, it's been a remarkable story here. So let's go right with it. We went right to social media regularly, and that worked. And we consistently sent personal letters and personal phone calls to all of our past and present donors. And we needed to write $150,000 by the first of this year in order order to put on the festival. And on December 6th, we hit it. (laughs) Wow. So you uh, beat it by like 25 days. Yes, yes. And it was an effort by a lot of people uh, that we just went to work because we couldn't miss another festival. Well, you know, I've been involved with the festival too, Shirley, as you know, and a big supporter in many ways. But I got to say, when the pandemic hit and um, you weren't able to have any live shows for a couple of years, I kind of thought you were going to go by the wayside, quite frankly. Yeah, a lot of people thought that, but they don't know the people I know and how hard they work to put it together. I mean, the performers, everybody gets in it, and they love the festival so much. I've never experienced anything quite like it. It's just such a pleasure to work with people, from volunteers to performers. Um, We only have one paid staff member. It's just amazing. It's absolutely remarkable that you have made it through that. It perseveres, and it's going to happen again. So let's get into this year. Let's describe, first of all, best you can, because I always have a difficult time discussing and looking at the Moisture Festival and describing to other people, and then they come with me and they go, oh, I get it. So how do you (laughs) describe, Shirley, you take a crack at just describe what the Moisture Festival does on a nightly basis. It's amazing array of artists, from acrobats to magicians to aerialists, and we will have a lot of new aerialists, like trapeze from up high and swinging through the air. And it, people, uh, performers literally come from all over the world. And this is a place they love to come to because they see other performers that they don't see if they don't come. 
Yeah, that's what I was it's, always uh, yeah. remarkable when I'd come. I would see, I mean, I have to go back to the first time I went, what I thought. Again, that's what I kind of go back to. I try to put in people's <laughs> minds, what are they talking about, this moisture festival, and what is it about? And you describe that. But then when I went the first time, I mean, these are right overhead. You're very close to the action, and the diversity yes. of the performances are amazing, too. Oh, yes. I mean, we, we have the bubble man. He can completely encase people in a bubble. <laughs> and there's Okay, now that sounds who... scary, but anyhow, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? You can encase somebody in a bubble, okay. Uh, yes, but I know what yeah. you're describing, a bubble man. That is a really interesting uh, show I mean, I... part. Whoever decides to be a bubble man for a living? Yes, that, um, <laughs> that's a very good question. What I would like to talk to him. What did you wake up one day and go? You know, I want to be a bubble man. <laughs> you told me once that he was a juggler or something along those lines before he became bubble man. And no one was paying attention, and he happened to have bubbles in his pocket. <laughs> Who happens to have a bubble? jar in your pocket and he pulled that out and started blowing bubbles and people on the street just stopped turned around and crowded around him he thought well well this is what i'm going to do for a living (laughs) so let's describe the evening for example okay you get there you check in at the time is there still going to be like a dinner or something like that or a buffet or has that changed we're kind of in a, a bind because Hales is going to close the day after the festival. And so uh, they have a limited kitchen, but you will still be able to get some food and beverage in Hales while we're operating and also in the venue. We encourage people to get there early and get settled. There are no reserved seats. Yeah, the doors open and people come rushing in and grab their seats, unless you happen to know someone like me. (laughs) Yeah, so and then you get settled, and then how many acts are there in the course of an evening? Oh, there are a minimum of eight to ten. There's a lot of great music involved in between the acts, too, and before. I love the bands that you've had there. Yeah, we have really good music uh, that play, and... um, People, people that haven't been there before don't know what to expect, and they're kind of hesitant at first, and then the acts begin, and the place just starts roaring with laughter. That's it. So <laughs> basically, you have to take a leap of faith if you haven't gone to this, yes. and just go and see it, and we can pretty much guarantee you will enjoy yourself, and the only thing that will be in your mind is, when can I go back and see this again? And that's been my yes. experience. This is not something that I thought would be something of appealing to me, but I got hooked <laughs> very quickly. And so that's, I guess, all we can say is that Shirley Tom, Paul Casey, we've known each other a long time. We've been in this community a long time. And we're saying to anybody listening here, just go. And if you yes. have a bad time, you can call me. I'm, yes. I'm not I'm talking about myself here and just say, hey, you Get were out. wrong on this. And I will... I will get that on the air and say, hey, this is what this person had to say. That's what I'll guarantee. Um, how's that sound? Yeah. That so, sounds good. And, and one other thing, uh, Shirley, would be about the COVID protocols. Let's say, again, yeah. we're not 
totally through this? How can people feel comfortable attending this if they are still worried about COVID? Uh, we are requiring a vaccination and masks. Okay. And the reason we are doing this is, like I say, we have people coming from all over the United States and overseas, and they have been promised that they will be protected. Good enough. And we're going to follow through on that. Great yeah. safety measures, and I think that's totally appropriate. Good for uh, th- that decision. Anything else before we go? Uh, just come. It's going to be great. My thanks to Shirley Tom. And again, you can visit moisturefestival.org to find out about the schedule or anything else you want to find out about the acts. It's a great uh, website, by the way. And um, you know what? I'm going to give four tickets away, or actually the Moisture Festival will, to anybody who would like to go to the show. And um, all you need to do is be the first person to call 425-653-1166. Give your name, address, and phone number. And uh, yes, I want to talk to you as well because what I'd like you to do, if you go to the show, I want you to come back on and just tell us what you thought about the show. Fair enough. That's not mandatory though, but I'd encourage you to do that. That number is 425-653-1166 and you will get four tickets to an upcoming Moisture Festival show. And one more time, the Moisture Festival's website is moisturefestival.org. What if the second deadliest cancer in men and women could be prevented? Would you try to avoid the pain? And what if you could protect yourself without leaving your home? Colorectal cancer is highly preventable. Screening is important, safe, and most people have options. Ask your doctor which screening test is right for you. Learn more from the Colorectal Cancer Alliance at GetScreened.org. Is self-employment for you? Take a five-minute self-employment quiz by visiting VoicesOfExperience.com forward slash home. There are 20 questions on the quiz. Today, Paul Casey highlights one of them. My commentary today is on flexibility and the importance of having a flexible personality for you and your family if you have a family. And hopefully, you and your family will only have to make minimal adjustments as you grow your business. But flexibility is a required trait for running your business. You will make lifestyle decisions and changes based on how well your business is doing. Talk with your family about how your business will affect them, because it will. Make sure they support your efforts. You may have to trade in a brand new SUV for a used car or skip that vacation to the Caribbean this year. Bottom line, your prospects for success will increase enormously if you and your family can make lifestyle adjustments as needed. You just heard a commentary on one of the self-employment quiz questions with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com forward slash home and take the five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com forward slash home.
You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, and along with Eric Crema, we thank you very much for joining us today. Eric, another great interview. I enjoyed that thoroughly. And uh, comment on that just a little bit and tell us who's coming up next week. Yeah, I thought it was a great interview, too, with um, Jared Loringer of uh, Fizz Events. It's always interesting to talk to people that are just so ingrained in what's going on in the local kind of event scene and things like that. And he's one of those people that we've worked with for years and for good reason. Uh, next week, I'm working on a, uh, it's not a hundred percent, but I'm, I'm really working hard to get this interview. It's with a company called Addicted Fishing, and it's the two principals that started that company. And it's all about how they turn to fishing as a way to essentially stay away from a lifestyle that would be bringing them down a bad path. Like alcoholism or drug abuse or things like that. So they made their addiction fishing and they built an entire company around it. Fascinating. And the fact that they're just such young entrepreneurs, it's inspiring. That goes to something I'm going to be talking about today. Finding a niche and solving a problem is so key to um, being an entrepreneur. So that's very timely. And um, I'm going to be talking to next week, a woman by the name of Carol Stern, and she's the executive director of the Walton Family Foundation and she's based in Washington, D.C., and she's making connections between water and climate change. And uh, what she's trying to do is educate the public on that and uh, also really let people know what that connection is and is going to tell us what the public is feeling about climate change now. They've just released a recent poll, and we'll find that out. It's so important. Um, We've seen dramatic changes in weather in Seattle, We've seen it down here in Southern California, and um, I think this is just a very timely thing to talk about. So again, that's Carol Stern for next week. And uh, just to also let you know about the Moisture Festival, if you want to find out more about that, you can go to moisturefestival.org, and then you will be able to see what the show is all about. I kind of have difficulty sometimes describing it. But then if you go to the website, you can see some of the acts and you can see what it's about. So that's probably a good thing to do. And also I mentioned I was going to give out four free tickets to the Moisture Festival. All you need to do is call 425-653-1166. Be the first one to call and you get the four free tickets. That's all you need to do. And uh, again, that's 425-653-1166. Of course, leave your name address, and phone number. That would be very helpful. My name is Paul Casey. I want to thank Eric Crema, host of Spotlight on Success, and executive producers, Steve Mills and Benny Mathers. Quote of the week, always remember, rumors are carried by haters, spread by fools, and accepted by idiots. Ziad al And finally, experience is our best teacher. I found hope in the midst of an overwhelming situation. Alcoholism is a disease that can affect any family. Everyone suffers, but there is help and hope at Al-Anon Family Groups. Al-Anon gave me my life back. I'm a better father and husband. Are you in an overwhelming situation because of someone else's drinking? Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Local and virtual meetings are available. Maybe one could work for you. Call 1-866-200-0033 or visit alanon.org slash hope. Okay, Paul, let's, uh, in this segment, talk about uh, the self-employment quiz and, and actually more defined 
the myths that are surrounding going into business for yourself. What are some of these myths that these entrepreneurs, young and old, discover sometimes in a bad way, uh, but they can be avoided if you pay attention to what Paul's going to say here? What are these myths, Paul? Well, yes, Eric, I just wanted to take a break from the self-employment quiz. There are 20 questions on that quiz and the higher you score on the quiz to hire your prospects for success. That's what I have claimed along the way. And the good news is that I do talk to people who have taken the quiz and um, they've you know, scored high on it or they score low, but I'm not trying to talk anybody into going into business for themselves or not. It's a matter of prep- preparation. I have a book called Pre-Flight Checklist. That's what it's about. You go through a checklist and that's the quiz. And um, if you decide at the end of the quiz not to go into business for yourself, that's okay. And if you decide to go into it, as of doing the or as of taking the quiz, that's okay too. So that's what I want to talk about there. And again, if you want to take the quiz, go to voicesofexperience.com forward slash home. Voicesofexperience.com forward slash home. All right, let's get to the myths. There are eight myths that I have in uh, Voices of Experience in the book as well. I'm going to talk about myth number one today, and that is entrepreneurs are huge risk takers. I found this is simply not true. The vast majority of successful entrepreneurs are risk adverse. They're cautious, decisive, focused, and pragmatic. They also possess the most important trait of all, good judgment. They dream, but they are not dreamers. Now, our culture glorifies people who take big risks and make it big. This isn't surprising because it makes for a great story. How many times, though, have you read about someone who started a business on a credit card? I see about every six months or so, and they made it huge. Mm -hmm. Financing your business on a credit card is not just risky, it's reckless. Now, successful entrepreneurs believe that the real risk in life is working for someone else. That's what drives them. They want the sense of control over their destiny. And if they hit that glorious point when their business is steady and profitable, they have now entered the promised land. They're not interested in unloading the business right away and going after the big bucks. After all, they're in this for lifestyle. Many small business owners, they have all types of businesses, marketing, consultants, graphic and web designers, family portraits, photographers, wedding and party planners, interior decorators, on and on, childcare, senior care, all these areas of uh, expertise that they develop. And Really, they do this because they find a niche and they solve a problem. That's how entrepreneurs think. There's something there. It's not about their passion. We hear that, follow your passion and the money will follow. I don't think that's true. I think essentially, keep your eyes and ears open to opportunities. There was someone I knew from Bainbridge Island, and she was trying to get a print shop to do her uh, printing, and she couldn't find one. Well, guess what? She opened up a very successful print shop. So that's the way entrepreneurs think. It's not really about, again, your desires per se. And also it would be helpful to find a niche within a niche. Let's say you're building housing. That's a niche, but maybe a niche within a niche is building accessible housing for people aging in place. So there are just some ideas about, uh, you know, looking at really going into business for yourself. But again, I really caution you or looking at not looking at huge risk takers type of adventures. They're the ones who make it, the ones who find that niche and solve a problem. 
Great advice, Paul. And uh, we'll be back next week with another edition looking at an aspect of business and how you can avoid the pitfalls and pratfalls of being in business with Paul Casey. You've been listening to the Voices of Experience Radio Network. No promotional fees have been paid by authors or other guests who appear on the show. If you have any comments or suggestions, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. And finally, experience is our best teacher.